Well, started and stopped uh, a number of episodes over the last few weeks. Um, I'm working on a bunch of different ones, obviously. I'm looking at going to a video podcast as well. But right now what I'm working at it, I have been all along and I got distracted by my love of words. I have a friend who makes me remember that uh, most people don't have the same love. Uh, and then my brevity, my issue with brevity, and here I go again. But So I'm calling to the community two big things. This could be a little update. Um, since I'm on Anchor, I don't think there'll be an issue uh, with Jimmy playing the background. If you don't uh, already know, they remastered Electric Ladyland in 2018. It's just phenomenal. What I'm working on is one, as I've said before, um, like a, a summation or a, a distillation of the truths outside of any particular sect or even uh, a thought system. So I call on the community to give me a hand and see if there's anything I've forgotten. So the main tenets, whether Hindu, Vedic, uh, Buddhist, Jainist, doesn't really matter. Christian, Jew, what did I run across this morning? It doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to explain what I mean, how this is... It's just an all-encompassing thing. So, dependent origination. Very important for us to understand. Um, And emptiness. Wu in Chinese. And that's partially why it's become a little bit convoluted. Because emptiness as nothing? No. Dependent origination. Empty of what the Four Noble Truths reminds us of. And the marks of existence. So, dependent origination like a candle. I love this example because that was my first uh, object of, um, what would you call it, insight. Think of a candle. It depends so much on the wick, on, of course, an ignition source, but on the wick, on oxygen, on the environmental conditions to be right, if it's too wet, if it's too windy, right? It's that idea. That's dependent origination. The candle, the flame... All depends on this. Emptiness of... There is no flame separate from the candle, the wick. As can be seen, there's a campfire. Same fire. We label it as different. Right? So dependent origination. Marks of existence. Right? This is uh, not-self. Anicca. Anatta and Dukkha, not-self, impermanence of everything and suffering that flows from this, well, let me quote here. This is why I'm, I'm just talking about what I've come across here. So I was researching what I thought seemed to have been what the human species seems to need which is ritual. Now, I find myself a student of a number of different theories. I've mentioned before existential and and other areas I've come from. I'm a big fan of Marshall McLuhan. I really do love his idea um, of the medium is the message and the content should be the audience, right? If you think about media... Right? Particularly in this day and age, as media is uh, being shaped, uh, even though the great media establishment is fighting it, 
is being shaped by the audience. The audience is changing it to the way they want to consume it, as we were told about. So I started looking for McLuhan on ritual or applying McLuhan's theories to ritual and the human species. So I come across this thing, and it's, it's a deep, dark hole, but of course I come across um, McLuhan's theory. It can be applied. But more apropos, there is a gentleman by the names of, of James W. Carey. Of course, he's, he was influenced by uh, John Dewey, Harold Innes, and Marsha McLuhan. He actually let me read specifically, in a cultural approach to communication, James W. Carey also references Marsha McLuhan's assertion that the one thing of which the fish is unaware is water. In so doing, James W. Carey supports the concept of the symbolic production of reality. See, James W. Casey actually believes in the ritual view of communication. He, he presents that... Um, that communication itself, it says, um, the construction of a symbolic reality represents, maintains, adapts, and shares the belief of a society in time. In short, the ritual view conceives communication as a process that enables and enacts societal transformation. even mentions how in Egypt, uh, communication and transportation were inseparably linked and served as a method of control. Do we see this, how uh, methods of communication are being controlled? But I'll go on, and he mentions, as I said, that McLuhan, the one thing that a fish is unaware of is the water, and he supports it with his symbolic production of reality. What humans engage in, often unconsciously, as a part of daily life, which forms the foundation for both the ritual and the transmission of views via communication. For James W. Carey, it's necessary for us to become aware of our symbolic reality, to better understand communication, and ultimately reshape common culture. Right? So, there's that common... um, there's, uh, There's their side of the story, there's your side of the story, and then the truth lies somewhere in between. So here's these three states that we've talked about. The illusory state where you believe this symbolic uh, uh, produced, symbolically produced reality. Then when you get into uh, being able to differentiate, right? Your discernment uh, is heightened. You understand that... Uh, None of us are living reality firsthand, right? Communication itself, in this sense, is being shaped by the person externally. But it's no different internally. Every bit of data that you receive, you're perceiving secondhand. So again, there's our three states of being, right? The final state being perfection, right? That takes us to the next Right, the, the, the Eightfold Path, the Sama, uh, virtue, uh, actions, right? It's simply that's how to sort out these. Most important, of course, is mindfulness. And I love to use the, the Pali word sati, is to remember. What are we remembering? We're remembering those Four Noble Truths, that one life 
itself is dissatisfying. It's dissatisfying. Why? It has a root. That root is our own ego-based desire, born of a belief in a self, right? That self doesn't exist because of dependent origination. We're empty of any inherent self, right? That's mindfulness, to remember this, that what you're perceiving isn't truly um, existent, nor exactly how it is or isn't, right? So meditation's the same. It's to bring that stillness to play. When you're no longer, this is why we talk about that word naroda, right? It's cessation. So you're not producing your own um, noise. All you're left to deal with is the noise in samsara, in this world of, again, a symbolic production of reality, right? A construct, a social contract that we all agree to live by. We're trapped here because we believe this is all there is. We believe this is our destiny. We believe this is what we should have and we attach to it, right? So same as samadhi and siddhi and dhyana, awareness and focus. It's to remember all of that, that our dissatisfaction or our suffering, our dukkha, uh, is born of this self that we seem to think, this, these aggregates that we put together, right? We are no different, one person to the next. We have arms, we have skin, we have blood, thoughts, feelings. No different from one human to the next, yet we see ourselves as different. It's the same as the candle flame is no different than the flame on the camp fire, but we label them as different, right? So I guess other than that, we might talk about maybe the paramitas, the perfection, right? Uh, some of the boundless uh, um, qualities or energies like uh, uh, equanimity and uh, metta, compassion, uh, well, karuna, compassion, metta, loving kindness, these boundless energies that can only help, right? But that's where I'm at, trying to uh, boil these truths down so that they don't have ritual. But in the process, I've realized that it's the ritual, right? Because what I was watching uh, uh, separate from that was James Randi's recent uh, documentary. So this is a gentleman who is a magician, an illusionist, an escape artist. <clears throat> and when he saw how willing people not even just willing, but how desperate people were to be conned. He railed against that feeling and wanted people to use logic. So for me, that's where again I'm, I'm coming back to. But the sad part is, is he spent a lifetime trying to teach people, not against illusionist entertainers, but these psychics or these... Right? These, it goes to gurus too, right? Who are telling you, I got the secret and no one else does, or there's endless examples of this. But the sad story was that even James Randi found that when he showed these people were just ripping people off, they just got mad at him. They didn't get mad at the people ripping them off, they got mad at the person telling them that that symbolically produced reality they're all living 
is a joke and it's fake. It's not real and it's harmful. Yet, they'd rather harm the messenger. Right? Ken, you've heard that story. Don't blame the messenger. Blame the message. Right? So in this case, my theory is that ritual is the piece that the human being um, attaches to. But as McLuhan said, it's not, it's not the medium. So it's not the ritual itself. So it matters not the content. It doesn't matter if it's Buddhist or Hindu. Or, and we've seen this because we've seen it work, right? So it's the ritual itself that provides the benefit, not the message, right? Because the message is the audience, right? I mean, it's difficult to see in that case, but let's just simply say that when we look at, for example, when we can use uh, needlepoint or people use um, jigsaw puzzles, same as historically we've seen uh, stretching or what we've come to know as yoga in the West, right? Uh, some cultures stood under a waterfall or arranged flowers or painted or, you know, simply uh, wrote fancy calligraphy. So the idea here is, yes, these terms like mindfulness, samadhi, city, meditation, jhana, awareness, focus, they have multiple meanings, but that's the intention, right? So mindfulness, sati, to remember. What are we remembering? Remembering that the self is not what we think it is, right? True equanimity, seeing everybody as one and together, that's your true secret to overcoming all this. But at the same time, that remembering becomes a practice as well, a constant ceaseless practice and the practice itself of constantly remembering of being in that state of focus or strictly striving to be in that state of focus can be the practice it can be the ritual it can be the medium the message and the audience right the content is you and the goal, right? Because the content of your ritual, of course, matters your intention, but that's that Noble Eightfold Path we talked about, right? Your focus, right? Understanding dependent origination and emptiness, right? So you're not just thinking about yourself. You're not doing this, you know, hey, look at me, right? Same as putting on a robe. It's the ritual like the Tori Gates in Japan. It's to symbolize stepping from the mundane into the sublime, right? Or simply stepping through the gate, putting on the shroud, lighting the incense, ringing the bell, reminding yourself 
that this symbolic reality is not the true experience. But our goal is to remember to get ourselves to the other side, para gate, far away, para samgate, to the better shore where we can reside free from these these pull but until then as I said um, the ritual can be the practice the practice can be the ritual you can remember right you can turn anything into it I mean I just did it this morning so I decided to make simple uh, prep in the morning as ritual and it was wonderful. I came up with uh, a couple of ideas on uh, hypersanity and the McLuhan and ritual idea. I mean, it's a wonderful thought experiment. So again, I'd love for some thoughts on this idea that um, uh, disseminating the teachings, but trying to remove any metaphysical stuff, trying to remove... Like, I find myself, for example, this is blasphemous, I'm sure, but I find myself chuckling at some of the silly stuff that's mentioned. Right? These great green beasts with four arms, and I'm thinking, they never mention where some of these roots come from. It's just a manifestation of your own mind. But it becomes absolutely silly, because it is very contextual. That's not the sort of stuff I'd be thinking about, I'll be honest. Right, <laughs> but uh, neither here nor there. I just thought I'd share. I'm trying to simplify what the teachings are, simplify how it's taught. Oh, I forgot karma, but that's simply the cause and result, cause and effect. That's something we definitely do need to discuss: cause and effect, karma. But right when you uh, use uh, those uh, eight virtuous actions, uh, eight noble eightfold path kind of avoids those problems. But yes, we could spend some time talking about karma. Uh, how it's seen, karma, comma, a uh, poly word simply for action. So it just talks about you choose to hurt somebody and uh, we can talk about this, whether it's an energy that resides outside of oneself or once again, is it strictly, um, I guess in English I could call it a regret, uh, but it's simply, uh, it's an internal force acting on yourself. Right, so we'll go on, um, and I'm going to break down, continue to try to work on this. So I'm I'm going to stop getting into the really obscure esoteric stuff. I'm just going to try to start boiling this down to as simple as it can get. Right? Uh, Arguably, recently the Dalai Lama talked about what um, what humanity needs is more people that can. um, I mean, just like in the Gita, coalesce. That we can take science and philosophy, right, separate from its label of sect or cult. We can take science, philosophy, the original French source of a love of wisdom, and we can take a lot of these um, these philosophies, these prescriptions from uh, from different sects of Buddhism, Jainists, Hindu. I mean, the list goes on and on where we can pull out some of this great stuff. For me, 
it just boils down to exactly what's being taught nowadays is that it's a religion of compassion, humanity. Uh, and it, it needs to be guided by uh, selfless, selfless discernment. Not at, at one's own expense, because that is being, right, a martyr arguably is is uh, is acting a bit uh, of an egomaniac the idea is that um, we're making it as simple as possible here he wants to make it about uh, compassion and then looking maybe at how science can show this and that was the last thing that I was going to say I've mentioned it a number of times before um, the observation uh, quandary in physics is what begins to start to, to prove some of this. I mean, I was talking about, it's interesting if you look at um, uh, James Casey, references writings of the philosopher psycho uh, psychologist John Dewey that uh, wanted to explore the complexities and draw out the contradictions for the term communication. Right? He delineates it into ritual and transmission. Right? Distinctions in their usage. And exactly that. I mean, you can't have an absolute. There is nothing that is absolute. That is the truth of impermanence. Right? So there is no absolute, obviously. There is no single path. Right? This was taught that there's no end. Everybody has their own path. But what is it that we can uh, boil down distill into its simplest uh, truest form but there you go so that's what I've been farting around with. have a great day